Well, I'd invite you in your Bibles to open them with me to Psalm 27. Psalm 27. Uh, This week and next, we are in our Summer Psalm series. And as you, with excitement, turn there today, come back next time, just want to let you know, uh, as we enter into September, we're then going to begin a series uh, in uh, the... The Revelation 2 to 3 is we're going to talk about the seven churches of Revelation, and so I wanted to invite you back for that in the next few weeks or so. But tonight we're in Psalm 27. I love the Psalms. I pray that you are blessed and experience the blessing that comes with reading them in your devotional time, coming together to study them here, because whenever I get to read the Psalms, I'm always encouraged in my prayer life. When I get to read the Psalms, I'm always encouraged by how the Psalms shape my prayer life. And it's, it's so fascinating to know that when you don't know what to say in times of grief or hardship or difficulty, often those words are there for us as the psalmists pray through the hardships and the difficulties of life. And so the purpose of the Psalms really are of a great benefit to us in, in terms of being a guidebook or an instruction manual when it comes to our prayers and our praises When it comes to worship, when it comes to wisdom, is we apply the instruction of God to our lives. And and Psalm 27 is no different. Psalm 27 is is a prayer expressed by David in a time of trouble. David, um, we don't know when this happens in his life. Uh, There are some notes uh, in manuscripts that suggest that this is prior to him being king. But whether it's prior or after he's king, there are a number of difficulties that he faces, but what we do know is that this, uh, this prayer takes place at a time in David's life when his enemies surround him, where threats of his enemies uh, are before him, and Im- he's in a place of imminent danger. Um, if you've ever been there, you've ever found yourself in a time of hardship, you don't know what the future holds, there is great uncertainty. This psalm is a prayer that guides us in our own prayers as We find ourselves facing hardships of our own, seeking the deliverance of the Lord in times of need. And so as we get to hear David's cry of his heart in this time when his enemies surround him and he's facing the uncertainty of the future, crying out for the Lord's deliverance, we're going to consider how how in uncertain times we're invited to pray and how in uncertain times, difficult times, we're invited to wait on the Lord. And so Psalm 27 reads this way, a psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though War may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me. He shall set me upon a high rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. 
When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God, my salvation. When my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me. And such as breathe out violence, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. As we get to walk through Psalm 27, Uh, What a wonderful psalm that we are encouraged by in our own prayer lives to guide us in seasons of uncertainty and seasons of waiting. Uh, Times when we feel helpless and hopeless like David feels in this moment, waiting on the Lord to intervene, crying out to God for deliverance. And in these uncertain times, how are we invited to pray and how are we invited to wait by means of placing our confidence in our God. Uh, David begins, and it's attributed, of course, to David, and he he places his confidence in the Lord. If anyone knows the life of David, you know David was quite the warrior. Certainly he wrote poetic psalms, and uh, he, he was a bit of an artist, but on the other side, he was a great Warrior, And if there was someone who might err on the side of placing confidence in themselves, it might have been David as a young man or as a boy, as a shepherd boy taking care of his sheep. Whenever bears or lions would come, he would kill them. You talk about courage. You talk about bravery. They would snatch one of his sheep in their mouth. He'd go after it, and then he'd pull it out of his mouth and then strike it dead. You talk about a man of courage. It was David. As a young man, he's a man who, when the rest of Israel's armies were afraid of of this great Philistine by the name of Goliath, who was a giant, David says, "Who, who is this man who's going to defy the armies of the living God? And with just a sling and a stone, he kills him. David's the guy, as, as his notoriety is growing and his reputation is growing, where when Saul is king, if you remember the song, all the people were singing, Saul has killed his thousands, but David, he's killed his tens of thousands. There was a guy who could place his confidence in himself as a warrior. You would think of a a guy like David, but he doesn't place his confidence in himself because he knows where his victory has come from in the past. He knows that the Lord is his light, his salvation. He knows the Lord is the strength of his life. In the beginning, the first two verses, he he uses those three references. He uses those images. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. What is David saying with these images? He's saying, the Lord is everything I need. When my enemies surround me, I feel helpless. I'm crying out to the God for deliverance. And I'm in a place where, where I'm just looking at the horizontal and I don't know what to do next. My, uh, his, his life could be taken from him at any moment. He says, the Lord is enough for me. And David's inviting us to say the same. The Lord is enough 
or me. Whether you're facing some troubles today or you may face it during the week or in the months ahead, the Lord is enough for you. First, the Lord is enough for you and me as David declared because the Lord is our light. As our light, there are different images that it makes us think about when it comes to God. As our light, he is the light of righteousness that we turn to. There are many different things that you can turn to. Light often symbolizes purity and goodness. It symbolizes righteousness. Darkness is a symbol of wickedness and evil. But in the time of need, where else are you going to turn to? You can't turn to yourself. We fall short. Apart from Christ, we're fallen. We can't turn to other people. They're not perfectly righteous. We, we turn to the, the light of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We turn to the righteousness of our God. And we're reminded that he is the light of righteousness. Also, when David declares he is the light, he's declaring the Lord to be the, the light that guides and directs him. You know, all throughout scripture, we get to see how God is our light. Jesus declared it. In John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. This is the first time, now indirectly it's uh, attributed to the Lord elsewhere, but this is the first time we get to see the Lord directly declared to be my light. The Lord is my light who guides and, and directs my life. In Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In those moments of hardship and difficulty and uncertainty, as you're fumbling around in the darkness of your despair, of your grief, of your hardship, even when your enemies surround you and, and your life could be taken from you, you can trust that the Lord is going to guide you one step at a time. You may not be able to see like a, a mile in front of you because sometimes that's what we want to see. We want to see past the hardship and the difficulty. But the manner in which we walk with the Lord is, is as our shepherd. But we trust him as he takes us through the dark valleys believing that he's going to take us to greener pastures on the other side. Even when we're in the valley, we know he's going to take us up to the mountaintop as we trust him in his good timing and wait on the Lord. He is the light that guides us and directs us, and He is the light that provides hope in the midst of hopelessness. He provides the light of hope that encourages our hearts and minds, being reminded the Lord is my light, the Lord is my salvation. Whom shall I fear then? Secondly, the Lord is my salvation. That's what reminds us about the Lord and his goodness to us. As, as our salvation, we're reminded he is our deliverer. David, he's facing imminent danger. His life is being threatened. But he said, the Lord is my deliverer. The Lord is going the one who's going to rescue me. If anyone's going to save me, it's going to be the Lord. Now, the Lord may use some of David's army. The Lord may use David himself to uh, with his wisdom, get out of it. But we know that the source of that deliverance comes from the Lord. When we're talking about salvation, we're also talking about victory. David says, I'm gonna come out victorious on the other end. Yeah, the armies are surrounding me. Yeah, I'm just one man, or there are a few guys with them. But he knows that the Lord will provide him the victory. Now, we know exactly what David is experiencing, but we know our greatest foe is not man or our own enemies of our day, our greatest foe is sin. 
And this points us forward to the beauty of Jesus Christ who's going to bring about the ultimate deliverance, the ultimate victory as he is going to die for our sins, defeating death, sin, and Satan, and then rise three days later victorious. My God is my salvation. And if the Lord is your salvation who can defeat your greatest foe, how much more can he bring you out of the difficulty, the hardship, the the darkness that you currently find yourself in? The Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? In other words, when you wake up and you are against the wall and you say, I don't know if I can keep going I don't know if I should turn left or I don't know if I should turn light. The Lord is my light. He is my salvation. I don't need to fear anyone. There's no circumstances that are too scary for him. Yeah, they might cause me fear, but I'm going to trust in him. Then he says, the Lord is the strength of my life. What a wonderful reminder. When we exhaust all of our wisdom, when we exhaust all of our physical strength, when we exhaust all of our resources and come to the end of ourselves, we know that God is reliable. God is a present help in time of need. God is our rock. He is our refuge. He's a present help in time of need. And so when you find yourself facing the hardships of life and your enemies surround you, And you don't know what to do next and the future is uncertain. You're facing imminent danger. Be reminded the Lord is the strength of your life. Romans 8.31 tells us this. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If you know the Lord and Jesus is your Savior and Lord, he is your light You follow him. You're not going to walk in darkness. Not only does he provide the light of salvation and everlasting life, he'll give you the light of his wisdom to guide and direct your steps every step of the way. And this is a reminder that the Lord is on your side. And if the Lord is on your side, it doesn't matter who's against you. He's an undefeated foe. No one can beat our God. Demonstrated that on the cross He looked as if he was defeated three days later. He rose in newness of life. He's coming back again in glory. He is the strength of David's life and he can be the strength of your life. Trust him. Rely on him. The Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? David says, I trust in the Lord. He places his confidence in him because the Lord is everything he needs and the Lord is everything you need. Even when you're pushed against the wall and you don't know where you're going to go and you have no strength left, he's everything you need. He's everything David needs. He's everything I need. David continues on and he says, not only does he place his confidence in the Lord because the Lord is his light, his, his salvation, his, the strength of his life, but also he places confidence in the Lord just recalling God's past intervention, just meditating on how God had come through in the past and looking forward to trust God to come through in the present and, and the future. The text goes on to say in verse two, when the wicked came against me. He doesn't tell us exactly when this happened, 
but he's recalling God's past intervention. That means it's, it's recorded in his mind or recorded on his papers. He says this, when the wicked came against me to eat my flesh, in the past, this is not the first time I've had enemies. This is not the first time my enemies have surrounded me and there have been threats against my life and I've faced imminent danger. No, the Lord came through in the past and the Lord will come through in the future. He says, when they came against me to eat my flesh, I mean, this is some serious stuff, folks. He's talking about his physical life. This is scary. He says, when they came, my enemies, what happened to them? My enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Why? The Lord is his light, his salvation. He is the strength of his life. The Lord is his deliverer. The Lord is his rescuer. The Lord came through in the past and intervened, and he'll come through in the future. Earlier, we talked about David and how as a young man, he, or as a young boy, he would kill lions and bears. Um, if you read about his interaction as he's about to prepare to kill Goliath, you know who he gives credit to? He gives it credit to the Lord's intervention. In 1 Samuel 17, 34, it says, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. This is, he's trying to convince Saul, I can take Goliath out. All of your best warriors, they're shaken in fear. Don't worry, I can take them out. Why? His confidence in the Lord. And when a lion or bear came and took a lamb out of my flock, I went after it and I struck it. <laughs> I delivered the lamb from its mouth. Whoa, David's no joke. And when it rose against me, I caught it by the beard and struck and killed it. Whoa, you know, you've got some... Um, large cats around here cougars coming around I don't know about you they come and grab your cat outside or your dog outside you're gonna go after them grab them by the beard and knock them dead we've got weapons like guns I don't know if David had it back then but he took care of business with a sling and a stone 37 moreover David said the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine and Saul said to David go the Lord be with you. The same God who delivered David from the paw of the lion, the same God who delivered David from the paw of the bear, the same God who delivered David from this unclean Philistine where he takes a sling and a stone and puts to death the greatest, um, the greatest warrior that Israel is fearful of. The same God is the one who gives you victory. The same God who is, has intervened in the past will intervene in the present and will intervene in the future. First Samuel 17, let me read to you about Goliath. And David said to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. We're talking about man's power sources. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. May God give us a faith like David, who in the face of great weapons, in the face when you have armies surrounding you, he puts his faith in the Lord. The day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistine to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. He intervened in the past, he'll intervene in the present. Verse 47, then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. The Lord intervened in the past, he'll intervene in the future.
And then lastly, if I could give you one more example, because there's so many. Saul, if you remember, as they're declaring David, you know, he's killing his tens of thousands, becomes awfully jealous. He begins to pursue and wants to take David out. And it says in 1 Samuel 18, 12, now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but, but uh, was with him, but had departed from Saul. The Lord was with David. He had intervened in the past. He will intervene in the future. I want you to take a moment, not just to recall God's intervention in Scripture, God's intervention at the cross, but God's intervention in your life. How's he intervened this past week, this past year? How's he been intervening throughout your life? Write them down, record them. David, he's, he's got them written down. We've got... We've got different people all throughout Scripture recording what God has done in the past, not just because they were inspired by God to write it, because in the moment, whether they realized it or not, they were recalling God's past intervention to not only encourage themselves in the future, but to encourage every single one of us, and we're benefiting from that right now. He placed his confidence in a God who intervened in the past, and he was trusting in a God to intervene in the future as we read the next verse, it says, um, uh, verse 3, though an army encamp against me. And so now he's speaking in hypotheticals. He's imagining that a great army surrounds him. He says, my heart shall not fear. My confidence is in the Lord. Though war may rise against me in this, I will be confident. David, what are you confident in? The Lord is my light. And my salvation, the Lord is the strength of my life. So the next time your back is against the wall and you're helpless, you find yourself dealing with the, impossibil- the impossibility of what you're going to do next, the uncertainty of the future. You're facing imminent danger. And from your horizontal perspective, it looks like there's nowhere to turn to. Have a vertical perspective and see things through the eyes of God and declare, the Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? And then encourage others with that same word first we're reminded what do you do in uncertain times when 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 we're we read something like that and we're directed in terms of our prayer lives what's our response what what do you what do you do when God doesn't change your circumstances and you're still waiting upon him to intervene when God doesn't change your circumstances change your perspective that's what David has right here. You can't, you can't control the kind of difficulties that come your way, but you can change how you respond to them. Place your faith and confidence in the Lord. If I could give us just a few takeaways here in applying that, the first is this. Place your confidence in the Lord by recalling his character and his divine attributes. He's my light. He's my salvation. He's the strength of my life. He's my light, he's my salvation, he's the strength of my life. When, uh, what divine attributes, if I could open it up for discussion, has, 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 have, which, what divine attributes of God have been most encouraging to you in, in times of trouble, in times of uncertainty, in times when your back has been against the wall? What divine attributes of God just, just remind you that he's enough? Yeah, Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. 
the sovereignty of God, of knowing he's in control, and um, even when we don't understand it all, we can trust him. Yeah. God's sovereignty, other attributes of God that just give you greater confidence in the time of trouble. Yeah, God's love, his unconditional love. Never leave us nor forsake us. He's with us in the storm. He's with us in the valley. His presence, yeah. 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 It's fascinating if ever people ask you, how do you describe that peace? And it's, you can't even express it. It's beyond words. Um, it's just the, the Lord just settling in. Yeah. Yeah, he's enough, and he'll take care of you, and that's sufficient. And that's where David's at. He's got these armies surrounding him. He's facing imminent danger, yet he's got that peace of God. Peace, love, sovereignty, any, any other attributes of God? His promises, yeah, his faithfulness. God makes promises, and he keeps promises. And every single one he makes, he's kept, and he's faithful. Uh, we can go back to them again and again. We can stand upon them. Even when our faith wavers, his promises don't. Amen. Yeah. Anything else you wanted to add to that? Yeah. Yeah, Steve. Oh, yeah. He's living. Yeah. Yeah. What a comfort to know that in time of desperation and need, we have a God who hears us. God who hears us. Place your confidence in the Lord by recalling his character and his divine attributes. Secondly, place your confidence in the Lord by recalling his faithfulness in the past. If I could ask this, how has God's faithfulness in the past encouraged you to trust him to be faithful in the present and in the future? Anyone want to share past ways God has intervened? God has reminded you, I'm here for you. My love is present. My peace, I'm in control. our chance to brag on God. Yeah. Yeah, he's the only reason I'm here. I depend on him for my next breath. Like the reason I didn't die in my sleep last night is because he's preserved me. He's taken care of me. So needed just to be reminded of the essentials, the Small things, absolutely. Yeah. Just something good to think about. How's God intervened in the past? And then lastly, place your confidence in the Lord by trusting his faithfulness in the future. And I want to ask this. Why do you think uh, it can be so difficult sometimes to trust God even when he's demonstrated his faithfulness to you in the past and recorded it in his word? Why is it so hard to say, God... I know you're my light, I know you're my salvation, I know you're the strength of my life, but I'm finding it hard, it's difficult. Why? Yeah. 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 Marianne was saying our focus goes off of the Lord and onto the problems, onto the circumstances, and we glorify them over God, and that gets in the way. Like 
Peter is walking on the water, keeping his eyes on Jesus, and then he starts to sink. Yeah. Anything else? What it just keeps us from really trusting him? Yeah, sure. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, we want control. And when we have control, it makes us feel better. But God reminds us of his sovereignty in those times. And it's, it can be hard. It can be difficult to say, God, it's yours. I surrender. Uh, I believe it's going to turn out for your glory and my good. But that can be hard. We're sometimes holding on. Yeah. And it, Marianne was asking, can you imagine if he actually gave us control and said, you go ahead? Yeah, it wouldn't turn out well. It wouldn't turn out well. But that's what we basically tell him. Lord, I know, I know better. I know the timing should be now, not later. I know this is the best will for my life right now, but uh, we should just trust him. We should just trust him. It's hard. It's difficult. Like, we're not, I mean, David, I'm sure he's had his moments. It, it, later in the text, he's, he, he, he's going to say at the end, if, if I could go there real fast, it said, verse 13, I would have lost heart. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So apart from the Lord, you lose heart. Apart from the Lord, we, we feel grieved and overwhelmed and hopeless and uncertain. But thanks be to God, he reminds us that he is our light. He is our salvation. He is the strength of our life. So, so first, uh, how are we invited in certain times to pray and to wait on the Lord when our circumstances don't change? Change your perspective. Place your confidence in him. Secondly, change your priorities. Your circumstances don't change. Change your priorities. What's David's priorities in the next verses four to six? His priority is to delight himself in the Lord. Now, that not, may not be a natural response for you and I. Now, now listen to what he says here in uh, verse 4. He says, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek. You know, if, if I were to put uh, what he was going to say next in the midst of my hardship and my difficulty, if I were to say one priority that I had, one desire I have, Lord, as I'm facing imminent danger is, Lord, deliver me right now. Get me out of trouble right now. But what does David say? Yes, he's cried out for deliverance. Yes, he sought the Lord to rescue him and, and, and turn the circumstances around. But what David says here, one thing I've desired, that will I seek. This is my top priority. This is my one, number one desire. Whether my circumstances change or not, this will be my priority that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. David says, whether my circumstances change or not, this is my one priority. This is my top desire to know you, Lord, to delight in your presence, to be in your house, to be in your tabernacle or your temple where the presence of the Lord dwells. For anyone who's in the face of the storm is going through the valley, anyone who's in the middle of the wilderness experience, you know in those times when you delight yourself in the Lord, you really get to know him. The Bible says the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He's close to those who mourn. He comforts those 
who mourn, and for those who have mourned, those who have grieved, those who have, who have faced uncertain times, and you've delighted yourself in the Lord, you've experienced his peace that transcends all understanding. You've, you know what his presence is like in that moment. You, you know that he's more than enough for you, and you delight yourself in the Lord. And that's why David says, I, that's my desire. I want to delight in your presence. You know, we're reminded that when we come together in worship and come together in prayer, we, we gather together with a small group. Our purpose in stepping away from the study of God's word is, is not necessarily to, to walk away with three things we need to do or three applications that we need to apply to our lives. Even though that's part of it, we should walk away beholding the greatness of our God. We should stand back and be so impressed by God to say, as I take a look at some of the things I need to apply, because I'm so impressed by you, because I delight in you, that is my motivation to walk in obedience to you. You know, the secret to to David's public confidence was his private obedience. And because he was obedient in private and delighted himself in the Lord in public, he can declare, my Lord is my light and my salvation, the strength of my life. When no one sees you and you're in your prayer closet and you're alone in your house and you are in the midst of the hardship and difficulties and the uncertainty of the future is what you're facing, do you delight in the Lord? When your circumstances don't change, change your Priorities. Why does David say that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever? Every day of my life, that's my longing, that's my desire, he says, to behold the beauty of the Lord. When you delight yourself in God, you begin to see him as he is. You begin to see his glory and his greatness. You're no longer focused on your problem and glorifying it. You're focused on the grandeur and the greatness of God that he's so great, he's also deserving of great praise and worship. When you're delighting yourself in the Lord, you are delighting yourself in his character, in, in his peace, in his, in his kindness that he shows you, and the unconditional love that he provides for you. What a wonderful psalm to just stand back and say, Lord, let me see your beauty. Let me be so impressed by your grandeur and your greatness. Let me, let me just stand back and behold you so that I can lift my hands in worship and just say, Lord, I, I give you all the praise, honor, and glory. And then when I take a look at the difficulties, the circumstances, and the uncertainty of my life, whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be afraid? He's my light and my salvation, the strength of my life. To behold his beauty, to inquire in his temple. When it says to inquire in his temple, it simply means to meditate. To meditate in his presence. Um, Psalm 4610 sums that up well. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. When I'm facing hardship or difficulty or uncertainty, I'm not standing still. I'm pacing, right? My thumbs are moving. I'm sweating. I, I, I might talk. I might, you know, isolate from other people. I'm worried. But the text encourages us to delight ourselves in the Lord in such a way that we are just still. Turn off the sounds around us. 
Uh, Go to a place where it's just you and the Lord and lean into him and his word. Lean into him in prayer. Inquire and meditate on who he is and what his word has to say. And in those moments, experience the peace he provides that transcends all understanding. He says that I might behold your beauty, that I might inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In a shelter, that means he's your protector. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. means God has positioned me in an elevated position. Verse 6, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. In other words, I've got the victory because of who he is. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his temple. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to Lord there is that there's that uh, there's something in us that that in the time of hardship difficulty when we're facing difficult circumstances and our circumstances haven't changed we're crying out to the Lord there there is a something in us that that wants to complain rather than trust him there's something in us that that wants to worry and feel anxious and, and overwhelmed and yet what we're invited to do here is to sing praises to the Lord in the face of the hardship and the face of the difficulty. You know, sometimes you watch people who go through unimaginable suffering. There are tragedies that people face and you've seen them go through it and it's always an amazing thing to watch them stand strong in the midst of their faith. And some of the most beautiful worship that you'll ever see are those who are in the middle of the valley, in the middle of the storm, who with their hands open wide saying, Lord, I surrender all. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. That's some of the most beautiful worship you will see when those words become real. And those words are more than a song we sing. They're a reality. You don't have to fear anybody. You don't have to be overwhelmed. You don't have to worry. The Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. The Lord is the strength of my life. Delight yourself in the Lord. And so if, if you can't change your circumstances, change your priorities. Delight yourself in the Lord. So just a few takeaways. Number one, delight yourself in the presence of the Lord. And I invite you to delight yourself in the presence of the Lord. Where do you experience his presence? I want you to know if you're a follower of Jesus and you know him as your Savior and Lord, you know where the temple of the Holy Spirit dwells right inside of you. We live in such a blessed time in redemptive history where the Spirit of God resides in every single one of us. Praise be to God. We can worship him wherever, whenever. And so, delight yourself in the presence of the Lord. You can do that individually. You can do that wherever you might be. Um, What advice, if I could open it up for discussion, would you give a fellow believer who feels like their faith has grown cold and their desire to delight in God's presence has faded? You've been there before? I, I I don't delight in the Lord like I used to. In times of hardship, I don't lean into him. I want to leave him. I don't want to go to church. I don't want people to see me in my pain. I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like digging into the word. I've just experienced so much hardship. How do you encourage yourself? How do you encourage others when their faith begins to fade and their delight is 
no longer delight. How do you do? Feelings are real, they're not always reliable, and so while we may f- experience them, we always go back to the Word. Go back to the Word. So in our lives, we can always go back to the Word. How do you do, how, do you, how, how else do you deal with that? Or even encourage someone else. Yeah, Steve. So it's an act of obedience is what I'm hearing. You make a decision. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on you. I'm not going to trust my feelings. Yeah. I will praise the Lord. Yes, I will praise the Lord. I have no other option. We're, Jesus asked his disciples, you know, are you going to leave me too? Where else do we get to, where can we go? Like you have the words of life. Uh, you're the only one we have. Nothing else. Yeah. 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 Just continue to encourage them in the truth of God's word and pray for them in that manner. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else you do? I think we find ourselves there more often than we'd like to admit, and we uh, we have opportunities to encourage our fellow believers when they're there more times than they'd like to admit. So it's just a helpful thing to be reminded of. How to respond. You know, and I'm thinking about delighting in the Lord. I just go back to John 15. and um, Jesus says, I'm the true vine. Let me read that. I'm the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the world, word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. Just stay connected to me, he says. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Stay connected to me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me you can do nothing. We can't do nothing and it goes back to David. I would lose heart if I didn't have the hope. If I didn't believe that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of living and so delight yourself in the presence of the lord uh, secondly prioritize corporate worship uh, prioritize the gathering of the people of god together if i could ask this what are the benefits of attending church and being a part of a, a local church rather than watching it online especially in times of hardship because to be honest i don't necessarily want to come to church when i'm in a 
difficult place, right? Like something happens to me, I don't know if I want to go to church, you know? So what, what are the benefits that we need to be reminded of when we gather? Yeah. Yeah, there are people who actually, there are people around you who care. You're not just watching a screen. Um, people know you and they care for you. Yeah. Any other benefits of, of being among the people of God? Prioritizing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, God uses us in our spiritual gifts to encourage, to uh, uplift, to pray for, and what a wonderful thing to have a, f- a family to do that with. Yeah. yeah. Anything else? Yeah, Charlie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's not just about attending a corporate gathering, but being part of a family and being among people who know you and love you and uh, those whom you love and care for in good times and in hard times. And that's when we really bond, right? In those times of hardship and difficulty, when we're holding each other up, that's uh, really the time when God provides for us. And then thirdly, after you delight yourself in the presence of the Lord, prioritize corporate worship. Ask the Lord for a greater awareness of his presence. Let me ask this. When would you say you are most aware of the presence of God and the benefit it brings to your life? When are you most aware of of his presence, that he's with you, you can trust him? It could be a spiritual discipline that you... You do, it could be a time or a place that you're a part of. What, what, what is that for you? When are you like, yes, God, I see you. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Marianne is just saying that it wasn't too long ago when we couldn't all gather here because of COVID and the restrictions that were placed on it. And during that time, I still remember when we shut down our church, we were still back in Arizona and thinking, this is terrible. I can't wait till the day we actually get back together. I was the only person putting the camera up and, you know, <laughs> preaching to a screen. That's an odd thing. Um, yeah, like we, we, we should fully appreciate uh, the time we have together. Any other time when you experience the aware, more awareness of his presence, uh, Marianne was saying, in the presence, the corporate gathering of the people of God. Other times. Yeah, Steve. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So just a consistent acknowledgement of the Lord. Throughout your day, throughout your life, continuing to go back. I see you, Lord. You're there. I acknowledge you. You wake up in the morning. You eat lunch. God's there. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just spend time in the word and prayer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so delight yourself in the Lord. When you're facing uncertain times and the, and the circumstances don't change, this prayer of David reminds us to, to change our perspective, change our priorities, and adjust our prayer life. Adjust our prayer life. That's where we see in the rest of the text, as we finish up 7 to 14, it says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. How do we adjust our prayer life in following David's example? Pray desperately. Pray desperate prayers. Pray honest prayers. When you come before the Lord, you're talking before someone who knows all and knows everything. It's one of the questions. Why do we have to pray if God knows all, it all? Why do we have to pray if, 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 we know, if he knows our request before we ever ask him? Well, it's not just his benefit, it's ours. It's an opportunity to express our, our desperate need for the Lord. How many of you have children or grandchildren who will run up to you and say, listen, 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 mom, listen, dad, listen, grandpa, listen, grandma. They're, they're calling you out, and, and don't you want to respond to them? Don't you want to say, I'm, I'm listening? And this is the cry of, of David's heart. Aren't you grateful that we have a father in heaven who when we say, God, turn your ear to my prayer, Listen to me in the midst of the hardship I'm going through. You're the only one who understands and tr truly can identify with the difficulties I'm going through. And you're in control. God, hear me. What a wonderful thing to know that in his word he says, I see you and I hear you. And so in desperation, David cries out, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy upon me and answer me. Not only does he pray desperately, he prays humbly. He says, have mercy upon me we're reminded that he's crying out for the lord's love and his 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 acceptance that that i'm here and, and the lord responds to him verse eight it says when you seek my face when you said seek my face my heart said to you your face lord will i seek and so the command given to david seek my face we're encouraged to seek his face and our response is lord i'm going to seek you Lord, I'm going to follow after you. Lord, I'm going to delight myself in you and lean into your amazing grace in those times of great need. And so when we seek the face of God, we're seeing his gracious love at work in our hearts and our lives and his presence and the awareness of it. Verse nine, if I could also say, don't just um, uh, uh, pray desperately and Pray humbly, but also pray specifically. Verse 9, do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. There are times when you feel like 
God perhaps is not there. If we're honest, there are times when we wonder, God, when are you going to come through? Lord, I've been praying about this request for a long time, and you seem to be taking your time with it, and we need to... We can cry out to, you know, you can be honest with God <laughs> in those times of, of difficulty and hardship and just say, Lord, I need you. Don't forsake me. You're the God of my salvation. You're the deliverer. You're the one who provides me the victory. He affirms this in his prayer. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. I'm reminded, unfortunately, in the world that we live in, uh, there are some fathers and mothers who forsake their children. There are some fathers and mothers who abuse their children. But even though there may be abuse, even though some parents may forsake their children, the Lord is our Father. The Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. When he adopts us as a child of God, as we trust in him as our Savior and Lord, he is our Father. And that's a good thing, a wonderful reminder. And so what this is reminding us of is like a child coming to their parent and crying out, hear me, listen to my prayer. Don't turn your eye away from me. If your child comes to you and says, don't forsake me, I need deliverance. I'm in the midst of some hardship or trouble. I don't know what to do next. Do you, do you just say, well, good luck, you know, figure it out? Or do you show them compassion and love? The, the, the manner in which David's praying is, is with the expectation that this is a God of compassion and love and mercy. He will not forsake us even if our parents should. Then it goes on to say, verse 11, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. What's he saying there? He's saying, I'm in the middle of the wilderness. The armies have surrounded me. I don't know where to turn or what to do. I feel helpless. I feel hopeless. I'm uncertain about the future. Lord, tell me where to walk and tell me where to go. I'm completely reliant on you. In James, it says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives liberally and without reproach. When you're in the middle of the storm or the wilderness, you don't know where to go. Ask him, Lord, direct my path. Uh, Stephen mentioned it early, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. To acknowledge him is to say, Lord, I don't know where to go. You know where to go. Direct me one step at a time. The Lord gives us this little flashlight, right? That's what it feels like sometimes. And it's just a light into our feet and a lamp into our path. It's one step at a time. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me in such as breathe violence, breathe out violence. Verse 13, I would have lost heart. We went back to it again and again. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. There are some right now who are facing some uncertainty, some difficulty, some hardship. Don't forsake your faith in the Lord. Continue to affirm and acknowledge the Lord is my strength. The Lord is my salvation. The Lord is my light. Continue to go back to him because what else do you have? The Lord is all we have. He's the one who is our provider. He's the one who gives us hope. Verse 14, it's almost as if David says, this is where I'm at. And whether he's preaching to himself and also preaching to us, this is a great encouragement to us. This is an encouragement to you. Wait on the Lord. You wanted a word tonight. That's it. Wait on the Lord. When we're talking about waiting on the Lord, are we saying don't do anything? No. 
Continue to declare, he's my light, he is my salvation, he is the strength of my life. Continue to delight yourself in the Lord while you wait on him. Continue to allow the word of God to shape your prayers and adjust them as you pray desperately and specifically in regards to your requests to the Lord. Know whom you are praying to, a God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. Wait on the Lord, and it says, be of good courage, be continue to be brave, and this is the promise. Don't miss it. And we said earlier, you can hold on to these promises. As you wait on the Lord, this is the promise, and he shall strengthen your heart. As you wait on him, as you delight on him, as you continue to meditate on his divine attributes, he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Um, there's a, there's a text that we recall again and again, Isaiah 40, 27 to 31, uh, that says, those who wait on the Lord shall mount up on wings like eagles. But I want to read it to you in the context of verses 27 to 31 of Isaiah 40, because the nation of Israel during that time um, was going to experience uh, uh, being taken captive by the Assyrians, and they would come to a place of hopelessness, waiting and waiting and not seeing God's hand of intervention. And they came to the end of themselves, and this is the encouragement to them. Why do you say, O Jacob, O speak, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord. The Lord doesn't see me anymore. And my just claim is passed over by my God. Verse 28, have you not known, have you not heard This is an encouragement to them if you've ever been there. The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no no might. He increases strength. Verse 30, even the youths shall faint and be weary. You know, the young guys and gals around here, they look pretty sturdy and they run around and they have endless energy and the young men shall utterly fall, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Wait on the Lord. The Lord is our strength. The Lord is our light. The Lord is our salvation. Whom shall we fear? Can we pray? Father, we're grateful for this psalm as David cries out in the face of the unknown, in the face of imminent danger. And we pray that this this would be our hearts to you, Lord. I pray for those who are waiting right now upon you to intervene, for you to deliver, for you to answer their prayer. And Lord, they've been waiting and they've felt a bit hopeless and helpless at times, as we all do. Or those who in the future need to recall this text, Father, that you in this moment would encourage their hearts, strengthen them, that as they wait on you, leaning in to the truth of who you are, that you are our light, you are our salvation, you're the strength of our lives, that we would place our confidence in you, and Father, that we would be strengthened, they would be strengthened. Lord, I pray in this moment that you would encourage our hearts and give us uh, uh, the, the guidance and direction in terms of who we can share this with for those who need this reminder as well. Father, our greatest desire, Lord, is that you in everything would be honored and glorified in all that we say and we do. And so as we find ourselves in certain seasons of waiting, may you 
be the one who shapes our character and uses us to glorify you and worship you in those times when we need that reminder. And we pray it all in Jesus' name, amen.